You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everyone. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 128. Today is Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. Steve, we got spring training uh, underway here. Very excited to talk draft values and the first ever WAF Listener League. Going to be a great show, as always. A little bit shorter than usual, but we got uh, three ADP values we love apiece. So six guys will be profiling. And also just talking about the most recent draft we had in the books. It's a very exciting time, Steve. Uh, It's also return to work for me, and paternity leave has come to an end. So I can uh, no longer watch golf like an old retired man on Thursdays. But it is nice to hear a little bit of a baseball news cycle coming in. You got the uh, Giancarlo Stanton looking spelt. Uh, it's it's uh, best shape of my life season. So, uh, yeah, very, very excited for all this. It never gets old. And uh, we're only really like three or four weeks out from the peak of draft season. So uh, pumped to be here talking, man. How's it going? And regular season games too, right? There's that series. Uh, oh yeah, on the nineteenth, twenty first, yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, and seal, uh, which is fun. And like, I know my league, home league drafts after that. I know there'll be a few drafts after that. So like a a free look at Otani. Um, uh, we're doing like ours the night before that, and yeah, I, I know yeah. it's going to be insufferable, dude. So if there's a home run week. or two, like he's going to go in like the top five, like everywhere. Which <laughs> yeah. hey, um, we're using. I know we're doing draft values we love, but we're using our listener draft as a base to sort of, you know, how are you not going to do a show on the first ever listener draft that we did so it can act as kind of a recap. And also the the, the draft values that we love are actually based on, on the real draft um, from the listener league, which which is which is cool. So we'll give some shout-outs and, and talk about that. But, yeah, it's an exciting time for baseball. Uh, TGFBI leagues were finalized today. I believe that draft right. starts – on Monday, um, as we record this on Wednesday night, you listen to this on Thursday or, or, or soon thereafter. And like on Savant, you know, next to the calendar schedule, there's that countdown. And currently looking at it, it says one day until spring training games. Like when you would, you know, we're baseball nerds, so I basically go to Savant every day in the off season. And you know, it, it seems impossibly far away uh, that mm-hmm. countdown that they had all season. You know whatever, 100 days till spring training days, 150 days till spring training games, and now it's finally down to a nice little one. So it's a super exciting time, um, and glad we get to talk about this actual draft and, and, and finally got a, a, a listener league on the books. So why not talk about it? Uh, the first ever on-the-wire slash WAF takeover listener league, right? Yeah, so I think the origin story last year, a couple people, was it in the Discord, asked? And it never really even I crossed think our people, mind. We may have tweeted it out and got a few responses and got, got some from the, from the Discord that, we're, that we interact with. Um, so, and a lot of those people that have messaged us. Yeah, we started it la- yeah. late. We started it late last year. Mm-hmm. So this year we were like, all right, let's give it another go. Uh, and Adam Howe, who's, who's got the NFBC setup of the, the On The Wire pod listener leagues set up through there, basically dedicated one of them to wins above fantasy, which is awfully nice of him. And we have a 12-teamer all of a sudden where, Steve, I think it's like we we talked about the first time we've ever drafted in a room against each other, yes. competed against each other for a proper mm-hmm. formal league. Um, and also we had one... Rat Pack team from my home league with four managers that you coined the Goon Squad, which took over the Twitter banter and the uh, the direct message with everybody in there. But uh, to everyone who who joined that league, you guys know who you are. Um, we'll be talking all season a- about the teams, but it was a really fun room and a really sharp room. I mean, that's where I wanted to start it, Steve, is takeaways on that draft. But for me, it, it was kind of like you could tell that we're all kind of moving from the same book because never have I been so frustrated at some of like the early picks because you think you got another couple of rounds. That's why I did probably two or three of the biggest reaches when we're talking Goldschmidt and Zach Eflin. I reached 20, 25 picks ahead of their draft position because I knew I had to get my guys because I was on a, a pick 12. So mm-hmm. I was, what, 
25 picks away from coming back to me. A uh, lot of fun. Can't wait to talk players. But what were your high-level takeaways from Listener League number one? Yeah, it was, uh, it was nice to get, I think, practice for TGFBI. It's the same setup. Um, you know, a lot of these people also participate in TGFBI, so it's a super sharp room. Um, I know Sawa, who was drafting right behind me, has, I think he won the NFBC 50s overall one year. So, like, there's a lot of sharp players. And, like, not to to diminish what we did in the best ball league, but you kind of go about a best ball league in different ways because there's no moves. Um, you need to make sure that you're, you're, you know, you're drafting playing time. Um, and I feel like with that, there isn't like as many reaches, like you said, and, and, and guys that are bumped up on draft boards. There is that to an extent, mm-hmm. but it's a much more conservative game. Not that yeah. it's any less hard. It's still, ridiculously hard but um you know people go get their guys in 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 leagues where you can make weekly moves and and in this nfbc format so to get back into that um it's nice there's there's plenty of times where you know i had a queue Uh, i was the second team so like you know uh had a turn like i had a queue and it was decimated three picks before or in the two picks in between my picks you know um, or, or just a guy that I'm like, all right, I really like this guy in, in round 10 and he goes in round nine, of course. Like, uh, it, it's just, you kind of, you have to have a plan obviously. And, and I like to map out my drafts as far as who I want by position at what time, but you also have to realize that that plan probably is going to take uh, a bunch of speed bumps throughout the way. Um, because people like similar players for the same reasons that you do um, when you're in a sharp room like this. So it, it was fun. Um, and, and I can't wait to, to play with you guys all year long. It's, it's, it's honestly, um, you know, I, I never would have thought that this would have, this podcast would have uh, had enough people that, that wanted to join and play a league with us. So to fill out a, a league and, and have something where there's that overall too, which Adam sets up, it's, it's part of the overall, which is awesome. Um, so we got that concept too which throws a wrench into things too, right? Like people want to not it's only be the best team in the league, yeah. but be the best team out of however many you know teams there are. I think there was like close to 100, maybe more last year on the listener leagues. Uh, I'm sure we'll get close to that, if not more, um, with how awesome of a job Adam does with this stuff. So uh, it's exciting and glad uh, I have like my first, you know, Daily, not it's not daily, but like first moves leagues, first waivers leagues, yes. first first yeah. team to to worry about like that. So, um, TGFBI is obviously the next big one, and then we have our home leagues that we that we love so much. Uh, um, so it's 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 exciting. Are you going to do a best ball, Steve? Um, I, I'll do. The, I, I signed up for Raz Slam. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering probably, if I'm going to do one more yeah. cash league best ball. Could just yeah. I haven't signed up for one yet, but yeah, yeah Raz and and yeah. I don't know. We got to go. We got to defer to you for Raz with how well you did last year. Like uh, I've <sighs> I've done cut lines were the first. You know, it's a decent price point. I think it's like 150 bucks. They were the first um, NFBC draft that I ever dipped my toe in, and I have never really done that well in, in, in cut line leagues. So. Um, going to defer to you on that one for 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 a lot with how well you did last year yeah there was you a made moment it to what the final the final 10 right last i think year, so uh, there yeah. was a moment in time not early like late july when i was one overall and i like fell out of my seat because uh yeah I, I follow this stuff but i'm not going to pretend i'm the shark that you need to be to do that with skill so yeah we will we'll get into it steve but for the listener league I had to at least shout out. I don't know if you looked at up and down the draft board with the color chart and everything and found a team that was, you know, very noteworthy, whether you love their team or they're always sniping you. But Mike Gavin, who was one of the late entrants uh, on Twitter at Michael underscore Gavin 83. Shout out, Mike. Thanks for listening. This guy's draft, not only did I love his build in the first six rounds, but I told myself I loved his build, which was uh, at pick seven. Freddie Freeman, Austin Riley. Like, what a way to address the corners. Then Altuve, Gossman, who I'm not as in love with this year with the price tag, but in the Still middle your guy of the fourth though. round. Yeah. yeah, and I like Gossman. Then, for how much outfield is scarce, I love that he turned around and went Bellinger-Schwarber. 
So if you stop there at that first six, Freeman, Riley, Altuve, Gossman, Bellinger, Schwarber, like I love that and, and planning on addressing speed later in the draft. Honestly, looking up and down in this team, I think that's still a hole. I don't know if that was like a punt steals. He's got Volpe, but dude, the Sonny Gray pick in the 10th round, I loved. Uh, Brian Wu a couple rounds later, which was early, and he he announced it to the league. He was, he's like, I wasn't going without getting Wu. Then a couple rounds later, also reached on Ryan Pepio, and I was just like, come yeah, on. Yeah, you had to be heartbroken with my that. Yeah. yeah, so uh, then one of my last ones that I totally love this year, Jung-Hoo Lee, he, another six rounds. So at that point in time, I was like, all right, I got to shout Gavin on the pod because I love his team. Uh, you know, hopefully that actually means that after I've anointed it my favorite draft, he won't turn around and be like last place in the league. But yeah, that that was one I had to shout out because uh, all draft, I was just like, come on, man. These guys are on my queue. Yeah, I think maybe you or me said to each other or... or- or we said it in the chat, but like that start of Freeman, Riley, Altuve, Gossman was just like, wow. Like, uh, you know, uh, I think we were all pretty impressed there. I mean, he also has JT Romuto too, right? So one of the best well, catchers yeah. in a, in a two catcher league, right? That's, that that's important. Um, so, uh, you know, um, maybe a, a little risky on saves. I know Alex Diaz kind of sputtered down the stretch and Robert Stevenson is an awesome stuff player. And I believe he, is going to get um, the bulk of the saves as the best pitcher. Fairbanks in, in, in as well. That bullpen. Fairbanks. Fairbanks as well. Forgot about that. So maybe some some injury risk there. Um, a little bit of risk on saves, but hey, he's got three guys that should get saves, uh, which is more than a lot of teams. I I, I think. Uh, so I guess just to to challenge it, because when you like everything else, his three four in his staff is Wu Pepio. While we love those players, would you feel like three four is a little bit too asking too much I, of those guys? I know the Nick Pollock logic is like you want four guys that you're not going to drop all year, um, and there may be some elevated risk with Wu and Pepio, but. I think that Wu sort of established himself already last year. Pepiot had those awesome changes in the in the second half, and you know went to the race like you know the uh-huh. the, the Eflin uh, story from last year. So while they may have some, I think it's probably less than people think. And and you know when you have a guy like Gaussman who is going to at the very worst get you two hundred plus strikeouts with a good ERA um, and back that up with another reliable innings guy like Sonny Gray. I know there was some innings concerns earlier in his career. I think it's less of a, of a problem. Whereas if you would have taken, you know, a more risky first starter, um, True. being like a tr- Tyler Glass now or, yeah. um, you know, uh, Freddie Peralta or something like that. Yep. That makes sense. Well, what else, Steve? I mean, any any other teams stand out? I want to give a recap of each of our teams as kind of quickly as we can, but was, was there anyone else across the league that that you wanted to uh, note? I mean, we had Acuna, obviously went one. That 2-3 turn, for anyone wondering, was Albies Pete Alonso. Uh, so like we said, really good uh, infield plays that you can pair with Acuna. Um, the first round was pretty... Expected, I think. I guess Matt Olson at eight was a little bit earlier than expected. Alvarez at nine, a little bit earlier. Um, But yeah, your thoughts on maybe Strider would have would have went a little earlier too. But um, I really like Sawa's team. Um, uh, There's a few guys that I could have put here for what we were going to to get to the meat and bones of our show as far as draft values. But I love what he did with Rodriguez, Lindor, and Ellie in his first three picks. I think it's. Um, I'll get into it because Ellie is one of the draft values that I love. Um, but then to pair that up with, you know, a great pitching run of Zach Allen, Edwin Diaz, Nola, and Gilbert. Like, there's yeah. two star- uh, three really good starters, three guys that I would probably be comfortable taking as my SP1. <laughs> uh, maybe not yeah. Gilbert, but it's close. Yeah. Um, so you got three of them there. Um, and Edwin Diaz to to – hold down saves is potentially the best closer in the league this year um and you know i know it was four pitchers in a row from rounds four to eight but 
when you have a top three of Julio, Lindor, Dela Cruz, guys that are going to do, abs- you know, they're five category guys. Maybe Dela Cruz not with the average, uh, Lindor a little bit weaker than on the average, um, but um, you know, and, and and Julio shouldn't hurt you there. And he did a good job pairing it up, pairing it up with some average guys later on. Um, but I just think that build is awesome, and there's a lot of pitchers that I like too. Uh, Bailey Ober, I think, is uh, you know kind of trending to be America's sleeper this year as far as pitchers. Jordan Montgomery probably went a round or two later because he still isn't signed. Uh-huh. Um, Reese Olsen is a guy that we like a lot. I love Zach Neto in the 24th. That almost made my um, um, draft values, and I was about to take him at that turn. It went one pick before me. Um, and then there's just some nice, you know, starter back end fills that are there's that have some upside play and some innings as far as Chase Silseth and Steven Matt. So I really like Sal's team um a, a, as I looked at this draft and, and tried to put together uh the values that I love for 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 the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um for our team specifically, I think uh I'll go first, Steve. I, I, I mentioned last week but I did the Tatis Otani turn at twelve thirteen um, I grabbed Adelise Garcia in the third round, and while I never thought I would do that, I'm liking more and more the idea of addressing out, just being in a good spot for outfield, so that you don't feel pressured to to get like a Anthony Santander as your OF one or two. Um, so I like that. Uh, Bobachet was just kind of a positional address, but then uh, Goldschmidt, Eflin, very very on brand guys for me this season. Uh, Tried to pair Eflin with Lazardo for a little bit of that strikeouts ratios balance. Uh, Arenado, so I went Cardinal Homer on the on the corners there. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do like almost every Cardinal as a bounce back this year, whether it's Donovan or Newt Bar. We'll talk about another one. Um, and then in terms of the staff, it ended up being Eflin Lazardo. My three four was Michael King in the 13th round and then first pick of the 14th Shane Boz was a little bit of a reach there uh, but grabbing Pavetta two rounds later in the 16th um, I really like that front five and I, I had addressed uh, pitchers or relief pitchers before that as well with Tanner Scott and Adbert Alzelay so that was my build my so what do you sacrifice right um, I was last in on catcher so I, I, I had Shea Langoliers and Danny Jansen uh, but all, overall, I'm pretty happy with this. And then real sneaky pick at the end, spoiler alert, because I want to talk about him on draft values, but second to last pick was Tyler Wells, whose situation is looking much more encouraging, albeit for some unfortunate reasons with uh, Kyle Bradish and the UCL issue. But um, yeah, I, I, I was pretty happy. I, I walked away thinking that uh, I'm I'm feeling confident with this. How about you, Steve? Give me the rundown of uh, your team. Yeah, um, I had the second pick. I went Wit um, over Julio. Um, I don't know. You know, it was it was a toss up for me. I kind of you know decided that the shortstop was maybe a little bit more um, appealing to Phil rather than the outfield. Um, I did take Robert in the second round to sort of back that up, and I don't know if I would have taken uh, a, a shortstop in the second had I got Julio. Um, I feel okay about that. Um, I think there's some elevated risk. Uh, you know, it's a little bit more risky for for a second rounder for me. Um, you know, the fact that Roberts missed some time, he's on a bad team, um, has some potential batting average rich with that high strikeout rate, uh, but then backed it up with I think a guy who's undervalued and, and safe um, and addressed the position that I wanted to address in the first three rounds in Vladimir Guerrero. And a big reason why I rent yeah. Robert is because I was okay with Alonzo or Guerrero, whichever first baseman fell to me. I was going to take Alonzo, went to um, Staunton um, on the turn, and then went there. Uh, addressed pitching, got Josh Hader, took him as the first cl- second closer off the board. Um, yeah, I, I, I think maybe I had some buyer's remorse and maybe would have went Diaz, but I kind of just said, hey, He's on potentially the best team yeah. in baseball. Um, I was hoping to grab um, uh, later on um, Keep Presley haters on um, the Astros. Oh yeah, yeah, just as a handcuff. Just a, but you know, it, it didn't it didn't work out, and didn't want to waste a, a pick when I had other positions in need. Maybe my p- pitching is a little bit risky, but it's 
really got all guys that I like. Um, they may not have the biggest track record, but Yamamoto, Perez, Carlos Rodon, and Hunter Green are my first four. Um, Rodon, I mean, I, I think he'll be bumping up draft boards now that is, he's got some good velocity reports on spring. Um, as long as he's healthy, I think he could be extremely good. Um, Yamamoto, I think, has l- less risk than people mm-hmm. are applying to him just because he hasn't pitched in the majors. Um, and Yuri Perez, uh, Chris Towers basically put out a tweet today. Um, I know he's been banging the Yuri Perez table all off season long. And he was basically like, if you just based on guys who are 20 and they pitch 60 innings, if you just draft guys based on that, um, you're probably going to do pretty well. And they're probably going to be an ace. It's guys like, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Zach Grinke did it. Um, Jose Fernandez did it. So like, if these guys were good enough to throw 90 innings in, in the majors at, at 20 years old, like they're, they're going to be just, amazing. Just draft them. Like the, the <laughs> don't overthink it essentially. So um, I'm, I'm, I think there's a little less risk um, than there could be at first glance. I know I, I draft some other hot, you know, oh, guys like Hunter Brown, um, but then I, I paired it with Eduardo Rodriguez Um uh, and and Michael Waka. Um, maybe talk I shouldn't t- have drafted Edward Cabrera as well, considering. Yeah, I have like, like we yeah. talked about, is get your stability yeah. later. Like yeah. the, the Waka pick does that really nicely. Yeah. So does Erod. Talk to me about Hunter Green. Are you going to be back in this year? Because um, I didn't uh, think a, I was. Um, that, there's some great stuff out there about him adding new pitches. Uh, Lance Brodowski, uh, who has a great um, YouTube channel, um, I believe yesterday on Tuesday put out uh, a video about Hunter Green adding a splitter and a curveball, um, and he's pretty excited about it um, mm-hmm. and, and, and thinks that it could help the fastball play up, um, help um, reduce some of the home run rates um, that really plagued him. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it's tough. Like, I, I was having some buyer's remorse. It's like, you know, I want Carlos Rodon and Hunter Green back-to-back. Like, talk about two things that went horribly last year. Um and guys that have had up and down um, seasons, more so on Rodon, and that's more so due to injury. But I think as long as Rodon's healthy, he's he's going to be good. Like that's the only thing that's stopping him. And Hunter Green, uh, worst case scenario, like he was usable last year because there's so many strikeouts. Um, and if I have a decent ERA base with with Yamamoto, Perez, um, and, and even guys like uh, like. Erod, maybe Erod and 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 Waka sort of provide some steady innings. Um, I think that it's I, I mitigated some of the risks there. Very nice. Um, yeah, it's it's um, looking up the the rest of the staff. Well, I don't want to I don't want to talk about one because we're going to talk about them in a minute. <laughs> That's probably our segue, Steve, because we yeah. got we got three guys each we want to talk about. Draft values we love. We can look at this draft in particular. We can also pull up ADP just for more broad context. So we'll get into those, but we got to take our first ad break and we'll be right back. Okay. So, Steve, uh, setting it off, I'll just take the first one because we were just talking about it. And your 15th round pick is also yet another Cardinal I am excited about at draft price, which again, in this draft was. Round 15, pick two, he went to you. Uh, in the past couple weeks, his ADP is 181. It's Mr. Nolan Gorman, second base for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I'll give Nick Pollock a shout as well. In the two early mock drafts we yeah. do with the Pitcherless League, Gorman was one of the top ones that he loved from the PLV metrics when it came to all the right things of like power is high, decision-making is good, but the the contact was a little bit low. So he, he was like basically some easy tweaks could turn Gorman into a superstar. And he made some real improvements last year. So he had a swing change uh, last offseason to close the hole on high fastballs, which was a huge gap in his strike zone. And his slugging percentage ramped up on fastballs up in the zone from 344 to 579. Um, this is a guy who, all through the minors, basically was was touted to be a 40 home run guy. Now, the average was never 
supposed to be huge or the hit tool, but in the minors, he did have years where he was 288, 275 in that ballpark. So for him to be 226, 236 so far in the majors, I think that's the path to Gorman really looking good is as he continues to lower that strikeout rate. It's gone from, you know, his last stint in the minors was 37%. In 2022, it was 33%. Last year, it was 32%. So if he can get that down to like 30 29%, this guy should hit 30 homers in his sleep, given the playing time. Um, I just really like, at, at this price of, of 181 and at second base, what you're getting is a, a really rare blend where he's almost like a, a Schwarber light. And it, you look at... Uh, some of these projection models that have him at like 75 runs, 80 RBIs. Uh, I'm excited about Gorman. And I think that, uh, yeah, we could see a breakout like the Cardinals haven't seen in a long time from from him. But Steve, you took him. Thoughts on uh, Gorman? Obviously, you like him. Do you think his ADP will continue to rise from 180? Um, I think so, especially if there's some indication that maybe he plays versus a good amount of lefties. Um in spring training, um, he's also the kind of guy that could mash a bunch of home runs off, you know, not as many great pitchers in spring training. So, uh, you know, a guy with a 14% and 16% barrel rate in his two major league seasons um, should be able to do that. Um, Let me jump it super quick. Uh, in, in 2022 against lefties, he hit 211 with a 664 OPS. Last year, he hit 260 with an 839. So that's where I'm excited that the lefty lefty action's looking a lot better for just a 23-year-old. Yeah, um, and, and I think that the Cardinals are going to, if they're going to be good and have a bounce-back year, it's going to be because of their offense um, and, and, and bounce-back years from guys like um, Arenado and Goldschmidt, but also steps forward from guys like Jordan Walker and Nolan mm-hmm. Gorman. Um, I mean, the fact that he had 27 homers in 119 games is nothing to uh, blink your eye at, right? Um, Sure, the strikeout rate is concerning, and there might be a batting average ceiling. um, But with, you know, a little bit of batted ball luck and some BABIPs with how hard he hits the ball, um, you know, there is um, some... uh, upside as far as batting average the contact rate is concerning right like to, to run a 67 percent contact rate he also chased a little bit less um this year though which which is encouraging um and as far as in zone contact um it wasn't nearly as bad as the overall con- contact rate um it was um at 78 percent which is not great but also, um, you know, better than the overall contact percentage. And if he, if he does chase less, um, that is a way to mitigate some of that swing and miss. Um, but I mean, the power is real. Um, I wasn't in love with my Catal Marte pick, though. I, the more I think about it, the more I think that Arizona might be an underrated offense, and Marte might be a boring oatmeal-y, um play there but i did want to back up um my second base middle infielder with um you know a guy who has uh potential to hit you know 35 homers in my mind if he plays uh close to every day which i think he, sh- he should right like mm-hmm. we're, we're already talking about edmund being a few weeks behind um and he's kind of declined a bit with with the stick um over the last few years um i know that you know, having Gorman and having Jordan Walker um, out there on defense isn't great, but they should be able to split the DH duties. Um, I'm sure one of those guys would be at first base if Goldschmidt wasn't there. Um, but I think they'll find a way to play him most days and at least first righties every single time that they play them. Yeah, he DH'd 27 times last year, played third uh, 18 times, kind of surprising. But, yeah, I... Uh, I oh, I'm man, really super just... close to getting that, that third eligibility. That's that's tough. I know, yeah. Away. Lost, uh, lost 10 pounds in the offseason. He's supposed to be, uh, you know, like everyone else, coming in with uh, shape and movement and everything. So, okay, Steve, give us your first uh, value you love. 
Um, my first value, maybe I'm not really following the rules here. It's not necessarily where they were drafted, but how they were drafted, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, and I hinted at it before, um, but that's Ellie De La Cruz at pick 27. His ADP over the last week has been like 25, uh, 24. Um, so not too, too much of like a quote-unquote value. But I think how Sauer drafted him, um, like I hinted at with pairing him with Julio Rodriguez um, and, Ellie and, and, and Francisco Lindor, um, you know, so we'll have some of that. He'll have De La Cruz at third base, but also have the flexibility of having, a, a, you know, uh, you know, if there is any need to play him at shortstop, if there's a Lindor injury or anything like that, or or, or you need an MI, it, it, it's it's an added bonus. Um, but I think that Rodriguez and Lindor are like, uh, you could write their stat lines sort of now. It's going to be like for Lindor anywhere from like 250 to 270 with close to 30 homers um, and anywhere from like 20 to 30 steals. Julio, you know, you could probably pencil him in for a 30-30 season um, with upside for some more uh, and a good batting average. And then you have, you're able to take that risk with that foundation. Um, but a big reason why I like that risk is because of Eno Saris on rates and barrels over the last few weeks has been stating the case for Ellie Dale Cruz. And it's basically this. If you look at all of the projections, he's projected for 130 games, um, with anywhere from like 486 to 515 uh, plate appearances. So it's baking in the risk of Ellie De La Cruz by basically chopping off 100 plate appearances from a full season, right? Mm. If you don't think Ellie De La Cruz is going to get set down, like no matter what happens, there is at least going to be some counting stats, homers, and steals added to that line. And all of those projections have him for 20 to 23 homers and 33 or 30 to 37 steals. 30 to 39 steals is the range as far as outcomes. Zips has, is the highest there. Um, and Zips also has him for the most plate appearances at 563. So you're probably buying the Zips line of 242, 304, 430, 437, which doesn't sound great, but that also comes with 23 homers and 39 steals which is, you know, a top 15 fantasy hitter. Uh, oh, yeah. Despite Zips the low average. Phenomenal. That's 139 so, games played. I really uh, don't think the Reds are going to send him down at all. Like, sure, the, those those extra 100 plate appearances might be really bad. He might strike out 40% of the time in them. But there's still at least, you know, three to four homers and five steals that come in with those plate appearances, right? Yeah. No matter how bad it is with his raw power and speed. So, um. I think that there may be less risk in Ellie De La Cruz. Um, I know it's hard to say considering he's going like the second round in 15 teamers, um, but maybe there's more of a reason why you should be buying in despite the the super high cost um, for a guy that you know hit 235 last year with a 34% strikeout rate. To me, I think the what I would question across all the projections, like ATC, right? The aggregate has his batting average at 249, but post All Star break, he hit 191. And if like he bats that, 249, he is not going to get 133 oh plate appearances. It's 133 no games. He's going to play 160 yeah. unless there's an injury, right? Yes. <laughs> so that doesn't make much sense. That's where the projections don't really add up. But they're they're baking in the risk by cutting the playing time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is this is an overall play if ever there was one with Ellie, um, and I agree. I think I, like I the player is so exciting. Obviously, I am not saying he's a do not draft. I obviously get what the rest of the industry is saying that there's a lot of bust potential, um, but I think as long as you have a plan for Ellie, not unlike you used and to have to have a plan for Gallo yeah. or anything. Yeah, exactly. Well, even I mean the only thing is Julio himself just from a track record standpoint, like my favorite would be more like Mookie and Lindor sure. yeah, we've or talked something. About that you know point. what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. It, I, I get what you're saying. Like for the most part, draw up the bas- back of the baseball card. So yeah, I think Ellie's a good one. Will you have any shares, Steve? I don't currently. Um, I probably will by the end of draft season. Very nice. Um, yeah, and there's also, know. I mean, Scott Chu has also done a lot of good work over a pitcher list with Roland Grafs and has um, 
mapped out some of his swing decisions that improved a lot. Um, so, like, a lot of the underlying things that led to that high strikeout rate in the second half um, got better as the year go on, even even if the strikeout rate didn't look great. But there was uh, an improvement in decision-making for De La Cruz, so maybe that will translate over into, into um, a more palatable strikeout rate. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, my next one, which I had hinted at earlier, is uh, kind of opportunistic with uh, the unfortunate setback for for John Means and also Kyle Bradish, who's got, I think it's a UCL strain. Um, And this is a little bit of a a gamble. I I haven't seen anything, Steve, that they're going with Tyler Wells, but he was kind of odd man out and a speculative like SP6 type of uh, draft pick, I guess, if you're talking for fantasy. But his ADP was was 379 in February up until the past week when it shot up to 314. I still think that's a really good opportunity to get Wells if he does have a job coming out of spring. Uh, What we saw last year from Wells, if you remember, Steve, he was in our Is It Legit episode because he did have a rough stretch of three starts where he gave up 11 runs in nine innings and got demoted. And that was against the Dodgers and the Rays for two of those. So tough, tough stretch there, no doubt. But prior to that, he looked like a complete ace. Um, his overall line last year was 118 innings, 117 strikeouts, a 3.64 ERA, and a .99 WHIP. Uh, Wells is kind of a late bloomer, age 28. Um, a lot of bullpen work, but six foot eight. And that fastball, despite not being listed for extension, still gets really good swing and miss stuff for a fastball. He mixes in a cutter change and a slider that all kind of have flashes, but there's there's room to grow there. But the whip, man, is, is really what the 14th best whip in all the majors last year. So if some of that carries over, and it's a guy who threw 100 innings in 2022, 118 innings last year, if he kind of gets into a groove and goes for 130, 140, I think this could be really sneaky. Um, and we haven't even heard about all the spring stories, which I'm sure, you know, we're going to we're gonna see a ton of stuff. But um, I like Tyler Wells. I think this is kind of a sneaky pick until everyone else catches up and he's being drafted around pick 200. Um, so not much more than the, the opportunity, but thoughts on, on Wells. Um, Wells was a, a Edo's favorite, right, heading into last year, and it it looked really good for um, a, a a lot of stretches. And like looking at his overall line, it's like how was that guy demoted at any point last year? I think you know he was a victim of when Grayson Rodriguez came up. Um, yeah, but on roster resource, their rotation right now is Burns, Rodriguez, Dean Kramer, Tyler Wells, and Cole Irvin. Like. I think Wells might be. I know there's a lot. Uh, there's there's something to like with Kramer, but I think he might be the third best starter currently on this team, um, pending British's status. Um, so, yeah, I I think this is a, a, a an extreme value and a guy that um, you know is probably more of a lock for the rotation than, than we think. I think that you know I would take the over on. You know, again, Zips is the high man at 113, but I, I could see him making, you know, 25, 30 starts for this team, uh, not just the 20 that, that Zips has projected for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even, even with Bradish back, like, I I think I still like him better than, than um, you know, Kramer or, or Cole Irvin. I agree right? with Kramer, yes. The, so of his 20 starts last year, eight of them, he had seven strikeouts or more. So, like, when he's in the groove, it's good. And the four-seamer, which I, Nick Pollock always cites, you know, you want the high location, mm-hmm. the high lock. His four-seamer has 96th percentile high location. So yeah. he definitely can place this pitch, which is why it's been so effective. It's just he needs those secondaries to come along and really be a swing and miss pitch. Like, that that slider, which is he throws sixteen percent of the time, just a twelve percent swinging strike yeah, rate is nineteenth yeah. percentile. Like, but you you got all off season to work on that. All you need is one of those to really come through. The changeup is pretty good, um, but man, I like this could look phenomenal for a six eight guy uh, in that in that uh, rotation. He so. does have two options left, which may play against okay. him as as okay. Kramer only has one. Uh, 
Grayson has too, but I doubt that Grayson gets it down. Um, but that's the only thing that may play against him as he, he does have those options left. Uh, like it might be sort of a thing where, yeah, you're pitching great, but for now we're going to send you down for, um, you know, a few weeks here just because the, the, of a roster crunch. But again, that's, yeah. that's really picking nits as far as talent. And, the, and, and they're, they're, yeah. and they're going for it, right? Yeah. Like bringing yeah, in Corbin sure. Burns yeah. and everything and, and Jackson Absolutely. holiday, like this is a window. So if, if he does his part, I'm hopeful that we could see 140. Absolutely. Um, okay. Give me your second one, Steve. Um, so my second one is a pairing. Um, and I guess this is the van section. I had to throw you some love after I saw you were giving me the Gorman love. Um, <laughs> but your pairing of Jorge Soler and Masataka Yoshida in rounds 12 and 16 as your outfield three and four. Um, Solaire was bumped up a little bit. I was surprised. Like, you know, if you go to like our draft results, you could see their ADP, where they were taken, and like the difference. Um, but honestly, um, I think he'll he'll be bumped up closer to, to where you took him, maybe even around like, you know, eleven or ten. Um mm-hmm. um around pick one twenty um is is where you got him. I maybe he'll creep up closer to, to the hunt to a pick overall hundred now that he has a team. Um, a team not that needed, the best needed, landing spot. I, no, I was a little bum, bummed to see that. But, but what are you gonna it's do? a team that needed offense, a team that needed a full time DH, and it doesn't really matter about the ballpark for Soler. Like he hit forty no, home runs right. in in Kansas City, um, and also um, Oracle Park is much. If that's still what it's called, I hope it is. Um, and anyway, that's what I'm going to call it in San Francisco. Yeah, um, I'm with you. Is better for right-handed pitcher uh, hitters. Like the the triples alley is like for the pull side for lefties, um, and they have that big wall and the the splash zone for for lefties. But for righties, it's not as bad and power sapping. Like it's gettable um, for righties, uh, where like those cars are and big gloves and sodas in the in the, in the outfield. Um, and again, it doesn't really matter for Solaire. The, yeah, the it's, I went to that little tool on Savant yep. that's kind of flippant, but. It, he had 36 homers uh, in Miami. It would have been 32 in that ballpark, and in San Fran, it's 32. So maybe a so wash same thing. in terms yeah. of ballpark um, context. And that's like if every game was played in in, uh, in a specific yeah, ballpark, right? right? right. So there's, that's only half, right? He's going to play on the road. He's going to play in Colorado a few times a year. Those will be fun series for Solaire. Dude, he's, just, and he's he's an auction calculator uh, standout too, which I know I've been kind of banging that drum all off season. And, and but I with know Solaire, you know what you're going to get, right? And the the. Uh, the zips, um, you know, with depth charts uh, at full playing time, has projected for twenty nine homers, um, and I think Dave Zembrowski, who is the creator of Zips, said it's like it's the highest projected home run for any Giants hitter since Barry Bonds, uh, and the Giants have not had a thirty home run hitter since Barry Bonds, which is which is crazy, uh, but the bad X has him for thirty one. Um, it's just a matter of health. Like if he's healthy with the improved strikeouts rates. You know, uh, in the small yeah. sample in 2022, it wasn't great, but two out of the last three years, it's been 23, 23.6%, 24.4%. Like, that is good for a guy that has 40 homer power and hit 48 homers at Kansas City the uh, last time he played a full season. Um, sure, maybe you're, you're better off projecting him for the 137 games, but that still should be a lock for 30 homers at least. Yeah, and with with Yoshida, Yoshida's another one that that the auction calculator loves, and that's kind of why I like that Jung Hoo Lee pick as well, because he's kind of the poor man's, you it's, know, it's seventy a, picks later, you get Jung Hoo Lee. But yeah, the the, the fact it's that a great pairing with batting average. average. It's a great pairing with yes. batting average, right? I think the hate has yeah. gone too far. I was very out on Yoshida after like we got a few weeks worth of of batted ball data with how many ground balls he hit, but. He's still valuable. Sure, he may not hit the the twenty home runs, but I mean, all the projection of him for like sixteen to seventeen homers, um, and I think that you can comfortably project him for a two eighty floor batting average. Right? I wouldn't be surprised if he hits three hundred next year too. Um, that's yeah. just what he does with his bat to ball skills and and and, and, and plate discipline. Um, so uh, it's it's going to be non zero in homers, uh, non zero in steals. Um and a good average, I think that's a a great pairing for Jorge Soler. And you know there shouldn't be um, as much playing time risk with with Yoshida as 
you know, mm-hmm. if so, if you do pencil in Solaire for for an IO stint or two. Yeah, there's a few like this. Like, um, I'm I don't have any shares, and it's honestly been years since I've drafted Schwarber, but he's another one that really pops on the the auction calculator uh-huh. charts. And with Schwarber, it's like, yeah, well, it could be a two ten average. So I, I like this year that concept of the pairing. You know, we've done it in the past with like Joey Gallo and Stephen Kwan, but like a Schwarber and a Jung Hu Lee or like mm-hmm. a Solaire and Tanaka, like, or uh, yeah, Yoshida. Yoshida. The, like, that, this is a good year to do that, in my opinion, because you've kind of, it feels like there's less of the 2020 guys. Yeah. It's like you get one extreme or the other. You, you did um, another one that I like too that I was considering in Willie Castro and Walner that might not be the batting average play, but it is a nice homer steal play um, for mm-hmm. your outfield. What? Six, uh, five, six, right? That's, that's that's a nice play. Yeah, yeah, guys who can fill it up on mm-hmm. uh, the tough mm-hmm. stats. So nice. Well, we got uh, one each left that we'll cover, but we got to take our second ad break, and we'll be right back. Okay, so Steve, I will jump back in, and actually, I believe I'm talking about Sawa's pick that you were you were discussing because we had uh, Lindor, he had Ellie De La Cruz. And then I was looking and I was like, well, who do you fill out with the rest of the first baseman or with the rest of the infield in the 11th round first baseman, Josh Naylor. And the more I spent time with this, Steve, I was, I was on the uh, PitchCon panel for sleeper hitters. I started to really like what's going on with Josh Naylor. And I know we talked about him last year, but it felt like it was kind of a fleeting, you know, late July episode where we mentioned him and we were kind of singing his praises. And then it seems like he's just quietly been, looming at like ADP 125, which is where he's at right now, but that's risen from 132. So the the price is getting a little bit more expensive for Naylor, 13th first baseman off the board. But last season, Naylor hit 308 with an 843 OPS, 17 homers, 10 steals, and that was in 120 games. He had an oblique strain, which was kind of nagging, uh, kept his, uh, you know, his games played down. But Similar to Nolan Gorman, Naylor's big story is that he's finally hitting lefties. So in uh, 2021 and 2022, he had an OPS of 512, an OPS of 512 in each of those seasons, believe it or not. And last season, his OPS against lefties was 821. Uh, He had the 11th best IPA, the ideal plate approach, which is a great stat on pitcher list. We've kind of profiled in the past. Some of the best hitters kind of rise to the top of that. He was 11th best in the majors. Uh, a 2.92 x average, which I know is down from the 3.08. A lot of people will point to his Babbitt being inflated, but you're going to take a 2.92 average if that's the, the actual player that he is. And on top of that, it's only with a 7% walk rate. So you're getting all of that average in terms of the, the plate appearances he does make. Um yeah, I've got it in the rundown here. It's kind of a Freddie Freeman light, Steve. It's a contract year. If he plays more like 135 games, I don't know why you would platoon him when he's hitting lefties like he Especially is. Especially in that lineup, too. Like, they need all they can get. They need all they can get. So if this is 24 homers, 14, 15 steals, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just – I know it's not – I wish it was a little bit cheaper than, than 125. You're still kind of talking what? eighth, ninth round, something like that. Uh, but I think Naylor is a, a wonderful parachute pick at first, where before I was always saying like, oh, Vinny P, Vinny P. But I think Naylor is kind of already doing what you're hoping Vinny P will do, and he's adding a little bit of speed. Uh, now, maybe there's more pop with Vinny P, and you're getting a 40-pick discount, but I, I'm interested here. I'd be surprised if I leave this season without any shares of Josh Naylor, but... Uh, Curious your thoughts for just the 26-year-old Josh Naylor. I think it's a great call uh, that he's a great parachute pick. Like if, if you're in no crap mode for a first baseman around there, um, I think it's a, a totally um, acceptable starting first baseman, maybe one of the last. Um, and I think Naylor gets knocked because he is a first baseman that probably has 20 to 25 power Below tops. average, yeah. Um, yeah. But there's still a lot to like otherwise including the the good plate discipline um he does hit the ball really hard um he has a 113.9 max exit velocity right so that 
says that maybe there's some more uh, power um, than he's actually shown, right? He does have 70-70 prospect grades for for raw power um, and 45 and 60. So if he can get towards the the 60 future value game power, right, uh, as his raw power would suggest, maybe there is some upside for some more home runs. Uh, Maybe that would come at the expense. last year. Yeah, maybe that will come at the expense of some strikeout rate, but I think you would gladly um, make that trade, right? It was a pretty low um, home run to fly ball rate. Like he had a 16% um, 2022 when he had 20 homers in the same amount of games as last year and just 17 this year. So maybe there's some more um, um, luck there as far as, um, as far as tapping into that, to that raw power. Um, And he did cut the ground ball rate. A lot last year it was forty nine percent in twenty twenty two, and just forty two percent last year. Um, he does pull the ball too, so th- there is so- some recipe for 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 maybe getting some more pulled fly balls and tapping into to more power. There, he is entering his age uh, twenty six season. He'll be twenty seven in June. So. Um, yeah, maybe maybe there's some upside here, and Josh Naylor can like sort of take the step and be a, a top first baseman rather than just the guy that you sort of have to grab if you if you waited on first base. It's interesting. He started to. I mean, I feel like he slipped into a really boring like name brand. But when he was with the Padres, I remember there was a lot of hype, and now he's just one of those guys that if you like covered up the name and the team. I don't know how you wouldn't be more excited about. Yeah, there's this some there's some bias just because he's neat. like I don't know it's a, it's a it's boring pick I guess. I don't know. It seems like it. Yeah, yeah, but I think there there's room here, and it would really help if the lineup could knock him in more than 54 times. Absolutely. Um, with, with his brother behind him, as well as Kyle Manzardo, which is an exciting prospect. Ninety something RBIs and just 50 runs. That's crazy. Dude, come on, man. Come on. Ninety okay, so. Ninety seven yeah, RBIs, fifty two <laughs> runs. Crazy. Yeah, and this is one that I was also bummed to see that his his price is getting more expensive because again, it feels like this is one that could really like you know just not be. He could slip a round or two in a draft, and you wouldn't be shocked. So ninety-seven RBIs in just a hundred four hundred ninety-five plate appearances too, right? Like that's that's nuts. It's like a a one twenty pace, right? Yeah. So. That that's my last one there, and one I was uh, again kind of surprised about when I was pe- prepping for PitchCon. But that's why we do this whole off season. But uh, Steve, give me your uh, last one or two. Yeah, I'm well. cheating again. I just want to give a shout out to uh, Pete Dixon, um, oh, good friend cool. of mine in the Discord, um, for sniping me on Shota Monaga. Um, we've talked about him a bunch on the last few shows, so um, don't really need to to get into it too much. But I did have to give a goon squad pick here. Um, there, there was a few options. I like the Buxton pick, um, you know, especially now that he's like talking about how healthy he is and how good he feels. Um, uh, I like the Brandon jury pick, but the one that stuck Bucks, out so to me, Buxton, Buxton was 21st round. Yeah. And then you mentioned, mentioned, uh, jury, uh, Pete 18th. Dixon, just for, yeah. for context yep. too, on, uh, Pete Dixon grabbed, Showed at Monaga in the fifth, fifteenth round. Yeah. Okay, so, so what? Sorry pick, to interrupt. Pick um, for a Monaga. Uh, like pick one seventy two. Yeah, one seventy three. Yeah, one seventy two. Um, so jumped him like around, but good for him because I was going to take him at, at, at that point. Um, but um, I had to, I had to give a goon squad pick. Um. You know, I, I don't know how long this pick took for them to to get on the same page, but maybe it was a quick one. Um, for 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 since, since I liked it so much, but it's it's Alex Verdugo. Um, it's oatmeal-y, it's boring, but I think that you know him going to Yankee Stadium as a lefty. Um, I think that that's opportunity mm. for him to set a career high in homers. It was just thirteen before, but I could see him. Being project, be, you know, hitting that mark. Um, he also had a pretty down year as far as batting average. He had two sixty four last year. Um, again, in, in in that park where he should hit some more home runs, and it's favorable for for maybe not as favorable for hits, but um, you know, with that short porch, maybe uh, he, even if he does hit the two sixty four last year, it may come with a a better slug than um, 
the 421 he put up last year. Um, good plate skills, and I think that there is a good uh, opportunity for playing time here in a really good lineup. You know, um, Jason Dominguez is out at least until like the middle of the summer. Um, John Carlos Stanton, you know, needs to play a lot of DH. Um, and Judge came out today that there is going to be needs to be maintenance on his toe for the rest of his career. Um, it doesn't sound like it's going to impact him too much in limited display appearance there, but it should give Verdugo some an, an area for for some, for some playing time there. Um, and I think it's a little underrated about uh, the, this this move to the ballpark. He's currently projected um, to bat sixth, um, even if it is a bit of a platoon like. They also have Trent Grisham, who I like, but I, I they, Trent Grisham is also a lefty, and I think they probably play Verdugo more just because, um, you know, the, the the Grisham's more of a, an average liability, and that's what they need yeah. in this lineup. Like Judge and Stanton and and, right. and, and Rizzo right. to an extent um, are the mashers. Like they need more of a a table setter. Um, Volpe had some batting average risk. Like Lemayhu hasn't had it as good of years. Like. There's a yeah, world where like Verdugo things, could like guy. run with a leadoff spot there. Like imagine if he's yeah, hitting. Yeah, how is Lemayhu uh, blocking him at age 36? Yeah, batting yeah. 256. I mean, I mean, I you know, I guess you don't want the lefty lefty to start with uh, Verdugo and uh, and Lemayhu, but, but you could easily swap Judge, judge and Stoto there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I thought Judge hit second for a while. He did. I think he's point. talked about wanting to hit third this year, and they have Soto slated there. But uh, again, I just think that there is a nice opportunity here for Verdugo in a really good home park. Yeah, I, I really like it. Um, man, it's roster resourcing uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox is interesting. Like there's part of it is injuries, right? When you look at some of these these guys and also just new look players. But um, yeah, like the Red Sox having seen, seen Trevor Story clean up Vaughn Grissom eighth in that lineup Tyler O'Neill of course um and then yeah you go over to the Yankees and if if Stanton can stay healthy now with with Soto on there and everybody else you kind of rattled off there um and Verdugo like that's going to be an interesting uh Yankees Red Sox season I don't know I mean baseball is better when when those two teams are yeah I have much more faith in Yankees being good than than the Red Sox but um I, I really like the, the the Yankees lineup. Like I, I didn't mind it last year without Soto. I'm like now you add Soto to it. Um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully when Judge Anthony, was out, Anthony Rizzo, that was miserable right? though, dude. Yeah. Our fantasy yeah. baseball road trip was in St. Louis, and we like kept track of the box score. It was a judgeless Yankees, and that was one. It was one of the worst lineups we've ever yeah. seen. I think like Torres had the had the series off too or something. <laughs> it was uh tough. yeah, it was brutal. And remember how hot me, Rizzo started last year too. I know. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely are built for that the the short porch there. Um it reminds me though Steve cuz you calling out the goon squad uh, the banter was was a plus because they took so long for the four of them to <laughs> for them make to a get pick. on a the, you know, After they had the multiple draft. nominations, yeah. They finished. Yeah, after they the finished draft, last, they were, last in average pick time. Um, they, oh, of course. They, they they texted me after the draft and said uh, that I needed to razz you a little bit to join us on our next fantasy baseball road trip on a fly-in. So I'm wow. just floating that. I don't know if it's this year or next year, but they're like, how iconic would it be if we got a Steve Giswelli fantasy road pen, trip guest pencil, pencil me in there you know and roster resource pencil me in as verdugo oh. and like you know in the in the six hole right you'll be the platoon yeah the platoon mark uh for the road trip so yeah pencil me in. all right man well that gets us through it uh just about an hour steve i know you're slightly under the weather and i've got yeah. dad duty so we better wrap we'll we'll be off next week but um then march is here and we will be on every week throughout the whole season so apologies. Uh, I know it's been a little stop start for our listeners where I've said we're going every week, <laughs> like five weeks in a row. But uh, next episode, we will officially be starting every yes. week. Uh, Once March comes, yeah, until we'll then. be every other week. Yeah. Or every week. Absolutely. Every week. Yeah. It, it's just so, so funny yeah. looking at our league page. Like, you know, you see like how NFP has it set up. Like you have the team name and like the actual full name of the manager. And it's like you see the goon squad and then there's four names underneath as far as coming it's like it's, it's amazing that you're even able to add that many 
uh, and just the the shock of some of these guys who are NFPC mainstays. They're like double doing double takes. How many co-managers they have? Right. Uh, but but it was a blast. It made, made the chat and hopefully the chat throughout the whole year. Uh, just it did. I forget who mentioned great. it, but but somebody mentioned. Uh, they were like signing off and they're like great draft everyone i especially can't wait to face the goon squad because <laughs> <laughs> just now that's the thing so yeah yeah uh they got it they got to change they got to change their name on a, uh, on an fpc show so yeah what do they say they it's because it's wins above van right yeah, now to yeah mess it, with tap, me but taps, I, think, I guess yeah yeah i think uh they, they said they were changing their like logo or something to the, the goonies <laughs> but uh yeah. i love the banter man that's what it's all about yeah uh Yes, so you guys, if you wanna, if you wanna reach out to us, feel free. You can jump in line for uh, next year's Listener League. Also, you can let us know any topics, any players you guys want us to detail as we approach Opening Day. Uh, we're on Twitter at Wins Above Pod. At Wins Above Pod, I'm at Van underscore Verified. Steve is at Stav eight eight one eight. But that wraps us up for episode one twenty eight. As always, thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>